All right, well, welcome to church tonight. How about, how, how many of you like to hear a joke? Okay. All right, here we go. Let me know if it's funny or not. A little girl was talking to her teacher about whales. The teacher said it was physically impossible for a whale to swallow a human because even though it was very large mammal, its throat is very small. The little girl stated that Jonah was swallowed by a whale. Irritated, the teacher reiterated that a whale could not swallow a human. It was physically impossible. The little girl said, when I get to heaven, I will ask Jonah. <laughs> the teacher asked, what if Jonah went to hell? The little girl replied, then you ask him. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Children can be straightforward, right? <laughs> Out of the mouth of babes, right? Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> Praise God. Well, tonight we're going to talk about walking in the light. And um, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5, verses 8 through 21. Ephesians 5. Now, light is an interesting, it's an interesting thing because in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. And, um, and so God began his creation. And the first thing that God created was he said, let there be light. And what's interesting is that on the fourth day, he said, let there be a greater light to rule the day and a lesser light to rule the night. So he really didn't make the sun and the stars until the fourth day. But on the first day, he made light. So what was that light? In him is life. In John 1, it talks about this. In him is life, and that life is the light of men. So light is something that is in everything. When you think about it, when scientists break down the molecules of, of things, they they find that there's light inside of everything. Interesting that you could take a seed, put it in a jar, and it could sit in that jar for 10 years. And then one day you take that seed, you put it in the ground, and it'll start to grow. Where does that life come from? It's like God had to make this light 
that would be the energy of life before he created anything. He had to release this. The Bible even says that for every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. Interesting. He's called the Father of lights. With whom there is no variableness, neither is there any shadow of turning. When Jesse Duplantis went to heaven, one of the things that he noticed is that there were no shadows. You know, I'm standing here, but my shadow is right there because the source of light is over here. But in heaven, there's no shadows because that light is everywhere. I got two shadows. Look at that. I'm a double shadow. And, and only the shadow knows. <laughs> that might have went over some of your heads and some of yours not. <laughs> In heaven, for example, there's trees, there's fruit, there's food. But it's not things that we're not eating something that's living so it dies because there's no death in heaven. So the food in heaven is actually made out of light. And God put taste into those food objects so we can eat it and enjoy it like we're going to, you know, like Pastor Jen's cake is out there after service. Please go enjoy a piece of cake. Um, all of those things on earth that we enjoy because they have certain flavors in them. But of course, not all those flavors are helpful for us. But in heaven, the food will have flavors, but because it consists of light, it doesn't have an adverse effect upon us. As a matter of fact, we, we experience more of God's life when we eat the food that he creates. Isn't that interesting? Because of the light of who he is is emanating in everything he made. As a matter of fact, it says in Romans that God actually makes himself known through his creation. And I've often wondered about that because how can you, how can you get a revelation of God looking at a toad? Right? Like how, or a frog or a you know, a tree. And there are some people that kind of got way off and they think that, you know, God is in the, the wood and he's in the trees and he's in everything. And so they start to worship all that stuff and think it's all part of a deity and a God, if you will. But that's not the case. It's just his life that has been released into creation. And the fact that everything has life points to the fact that there's a life giver. It can't have life unless something gave it life. And so all life comes from God. God created all things. And anybody who takes a moment to just think about that realizes there's, there's got to be a God. Because if if there wasn't that, then how could something come alive, right? Something had to create it. 
something, there had to be an architect. There had to be a designer. There had to be somebody who knew and understood and put it all together to make it, make it work. Here he created Adam, and out of the earth, Adam means red earth. He took some clay and he formed it. And he did really good with his modeling, you know, and, you know, he had it make it looking really good. But it was just a hunk of earth. But then God breathed in his nostrils, and he became a living soul. Just think, when that breath of God touched that piece of dirt, all of a sudden, blood vessels, veins, organs, tissue, all of that was just beginning to form and develop instantaneously just through the life and the breath of God. Blows your mind away. Like, wow. But see, the essence of who God is, that's the light that he gives. That's the light that he sends forth to cause everything to exist. If, you know, people are worried about, you know, we're going to destroy the planet, the stars are going to burn out, the sun's going to burn out. Well, no, because God said, as long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest. God says he's, he's got it all in, in his hands. It's going to end when he says it's going to end, and it's going to melt up with a fervent heat, and then he's going to create a new heavens and a new earth. And therein dwells righteousness. And it will never have the stain of sin upon it. So that's going to be after the thousand years. We've got to wait a little bit. You know, just wait a day. <laughs> a day is as a thousand years, right? So this light is interesting because Jesus came and he said, I am, John eight twelve. he says, I am the light of the world. And he who follows me will walk in this light. You know, people, when they go to heaven, all of the darkness that is still in their soul, whether it's religiosity, selfishness, fears, whatever it is, when they get into his presence... It's like that immortality is all swallowed up. That mortality is all swallowed up in that immortality. And they begin to experience the greatest love, the greatest joy, the greatest peace that's ever possible. Just being in the light of his presence. As a matter of fact, because God is so good and so wonderful... What the devil tries to do is he blinds the minds of people lest they see the light of the glorious gospel. He's got to put those thoughts and ideas and, and filters out there to blind people, to get an attitude in their mind, to get a, 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 a thought or an image that is contrary to the knowledge of God. Ephesians chapter 5 Verse 8, it says, For once 
you were full of darkness. But now you have light from the Lord. Praise God. We've got light from the Lord in us. We've got the Lord's light. You know, when I, when I was about 17 years old, I gave my life to the Lord. But um, they had a, um, I looked at it, it was weird because I, I gave my life to the Lord, started a relationship with the Lord, and then I opened up a school yearbook from when I was unsaved, the last year that I was unsaved. And I looked at this picture of myself, and it was like I, I looked like I was engulfed in darkness. Like when I looked at my face on that picture, all I saw was the darkness. It was like, who was that guy? I don't even know who that guy is now. There's a, there's a new guy. And when I, was, when I got born again, I was coming out of drugs, so it was kind of a process for me. I didn't really have a mentor. I, I got saved, and I was just kind of trying to figure my way out, in a sense, how to grow in this thing, what to do. That's kind of why I probably went up to five or six altar calls to get saved over and over again, because I really didn't know that it... I mean, I knew that it happened the first time, but because there was a struggle and I didn't have certain understanding of who I am in Christ and all that, I felt like I had to do it over and over again. But I do know that the day that I accepted the Lord, I do know this, that I was no longer alienated from God. That God was no longer a God who was a billion miles away, but he was right here, right with me. But in this process, I was still dealing with a, a drug habit, a drinking habit, trying to let go of this. And one of the, you know, going to different parties and sitting there, one of the things, and it was interesting because I, I didn't have anybody like on me saying, you're a Christian now, quit smoking, quit drinking. But I was praying, you know, like I'd sit home and pour a glass of brandy and open up my Bible. And I thought, you know, that's how you read your Bible, right? And, but as I was going to parties, I would be sitting there getting high with everybody, and I'd look around, and all I would see is death on their faces. It was like, I'm sitting here among the dead. I got to get out of this. Like, I got to get out of here. There's, I, I don't belong here because I'm alive. And there's death over here, and there's death over there, and there's, you know. And so God was using that to draw me out of it. And then, of course, through his word, he began to show me things and teach me things. And, and through getting filled with the Holy Spirit, he uh, set me free from this. And uh, he kind of tricked me because... There was a meeting, and they were praying for people to be delivered. And I was ready to quit smoking cigarettes. <laughs> Not the other stuff, just the cigarettes. So I went to this meeting hoping to get set free from smoking cigarettes. Well, then they did this altar call before, as we were in our, in our Holy Ghost benches, uh, getting ready to come on up. 
the Lord spoke to me. And he said, how about that weed? Why don't you let go of that? And I'm like, God, why are you taking my fun away? <laughs> that's my fun, which really wasn't, but it, that's why I started it. See, that was the root. I was an unhappy person. I grew up in a, in a home where my mother and my father fought, and there was all kinds of issues going on in my life, and I needed something to make me happy, and that's why I went to it. So the root of this thing was that it was my crutch to make me happy. And God had to get to the root. And I said, God, this is what makes me happy. And he says, I created you. And I know how to make you happy. And then I thought, well, wait a minute. He's the Lord most high anyways. So if I really want to get the most high, I might as well just, <laughs> just go to the Lord, right? Yeah. So he dealt with me, and I had and then there was faith. Faith, before it was conviction. It was conscience. It was like, I know I shouldn't do this. I know I shouldn't do this. I really should get out of this. This isn't the right thing to do. But I didn't have a way to connect my faith. But when he spoke to my heart and said, I created you and I can give you the fun, the joy that you need, my faith was able to connect. So here I am. 17-year-old, coming up to the front, bawling away in front of other 17-year-old girls. You know it was God. And I got prayed for that night, and that was it. God broke that thing off me. The very next day, went over to my friend's house. They passed around the pipe. The bowl came to me, and I pushed it away. I said, I don't need it anymore. The day before, I was, I, I was smoking it with them, but not anymore. And then a couple weeks later, I'm walking down the road, and I look down on the ground, and here's a bag of weed sitting on the ground. And I'm like, here, I've been serving you all those years, and you never gave me a freebie. <laughs> now here you are. And I just picked it up and emptied the whole bag out and laughed. And so... <laughs> That's how he worked. I'll give you a, a little sample to come back into the, my kingdom. But see, that was that light. That darkness was, was taken out of me, and there was a light that was put on the inside of me. And that light was the light of the Lord. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Now the um, King James, or New King James, has, says that a little differently. And it says in verse 9, For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And I was thinking about that a little bit because, you know, the fruit of the Spirit, the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the gentleness, the meekness, the self-control, is a part of the nature of God, which is this light. It's his nature that comes on the inside of us. And in this nature 
is the fruit or the character of Christ or the fruit of the Spirit. But how does that fruit of the Spirit work its way out of us, right? How do we get that love to come out of us? How do we get that joy to come out of us? How do we get that patience to come out of us? How do we get that long-suffering to come out of us? How do we get these things to be able to come out of us? They're in there, but how do we get them to come out? And what's interesting is the way he said this. He said, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. So as I looked up those words, the word goodness, it means good, pleasant, agreeable, joyful, happy. And I started thinking about that. Well, what is that? Sounds like somebody with a good attitude, doesn't it? Like, you know, when you're... When you're on the job and you're working with a coworker and they've been there for years and they know their stuff and they, they're, they're very knowledgeable. That's why they don't get rid of them. But they got a bad attitude. You know, they're complaining. They're griping. Everything's, they're, they're negative about everything. And so even though inside of them they have all this ability, all this knowledge, yet... They're kind of a detriment because of the attitude that they carry. That they allow that thing to kind of shroud over, if you will, their skills, their abilities. You know, I, there's times, and we all, we all know we've been there, where there's times where, you know, we, we got frustrated. You know, if you got four grandkids over and they all want something different at the same time. <laughs> and, then, and then attitudes are flaring and, and you're just trying to make peace. <laughs> but there is no reconciliation. <laughs> Ask grandma. <laughs> uh-huh. Or you're, you're on the job and you've got that thing that just isn't working right. you got that problem. They know it's a problem. Everybody knows it's a problem. But they do nothing about the problem. They just want you to live with the problem and enjoy the problem yourself. You know, what does that do to you? That, that really can cause the light to not shine very bright. <laughs> So it seems like the fruit of the Spirit, the nature of Christ that's on the inside of us, can manifest through us when we keep that good attitude. Now, a lot of people, you know, they, they just focus in on, you know, positive mental attitude. You do need the life of Christ in you in order to overcome things, but it does help to have a positive mental attitude. It does help to be able to cast your cares on the Lord, be thankful, um, not speak negatively, 
Because when you do that, it's like taking the light and putting it under a bushel. You know, so, so I got this nice light here. Watch out. So there you go. You got this nice light, and uh, it's on the inside of you. That's the fruits of the Spirit. It's the life of Christ that's on the inside of you. And uh, you're going to work, and you're happy, and you're praying on the way to work, and then you get to work, and then they, they load you up with more work than you can handle. And you know that you can't get it done. They know you can't get it done, but they're giving it to you anyways. And then they're taking some things away from you, or maybe they're, you know, there's different things going on, or you're not feeling well, and so all of a sudden you get a bad attitude, and you start complaining about stuff. Well, it, it takes that light, puts a bushel right over it. Now, the light didn't go out. Isn't that interesting? Jesus said, you are the light to the world, Right? Matthew 5. But he says, don't put a bushel over your light. You know, we talk sometimes in allegory of turning it on and turning it off, right? Like you can turn it on, turn on the power, turn on faith, turn on things. But in reality, those things are there. It's like the light is already there. It's just what are we going to allow to cover it? What, are we going to allow something to get in the way? And so here, when we have those wrong attitudes, when we allow negative attitudes to get a hold of us, what does it do? It hinders the light. It's putting the bushel over the light. Then he talks about righteousness. Righteousness, the state of him who is as he ought to be. Righteousness, the condition acceptable to God, integrity, virtue, purity of life, rightness, correctness of thinking, feeling, and acting. So the other thing is when you know who you are in Christ, and you know that you're made righteous in him, and you know that because you are in him and you are righteous and you are born again, that you have a right spirit within you, that you, you know, this is all part of your mental frame. This is part of your focus, part of your, your direction. You know who you are in Christ. You know that you're alive to God. You're dead to sin. Well, that's like you're shining bright. That's going to help you to be able to shine that light. But then when the thoughts come in your mind and they bring in condemnation and uh, bring in doubt, self-doubt, all these types of things. And, and then all of a sudden, here comes that bushel. Puts that right on there. So what happens is, the light doesn't go out. It's still there, but it's just shrouded. You know, when you, you know, when you know uh, like, it's kind of funny when you watch a, a certain when you watch a certain sports game or a football game and all of a sudden the field goal kicker, you know, gets it in his head for whatever reason, he, he can't do it. 
I remember that one game last year where Mason Crosby, man, he couldn't kick a field goal against the Bengals. He missed like three of them, I think, in that game. And it was like some of those were just automatic field goals. Like, like he kicks that straight on all the time. But something got in his head. And he, you know, and it was like everybody, everybody then was like, up. Oh, it's time to get a new kicker. Got to get rid of this guy. Let's get a new kicker. Well, something got in his head. And he had to get that out. And he did. He got better. But it was, you know, when you start to make a, a mistake or two, which we all will do, the devil wants to come in there and put that image of, in your head, get that in your head that you're going to mess up. You're going to mess up. You can't do this right. This isn't going to work out right. This isn't going to happen right. And it creates an unbelief. And it takes you out of that foundation of who you are in Christ. And that's what happens when people go back into the world. When they get back into sin. They forget that they have been purged from their old sins. They forget that they are a new creature in Christ. They forget that they are a child of God, that they are uh, uh, made holy unto the Lord. They're set apart for him. They forget about all that. And they feel like they still are attached to the world. They still have some attachment. The Bible talks about that in Hebrews. It says that when they, when they left, if they were mindful of the country they left, they would have found an opportunity to go back. So it's in the mind, right? They became mindful of that. So people sometimes let that get into their mind. Oh, you know what? I, I guess I just belong at the bar. I belong at this. I belong at that. I'm, and then they go back. Now the other thing it talks about is in truth. And that's kind of an interesting one. Because truth is, or means what is true in the things appertaining to God and the duties of man, whether moral or religious, respecting God and the execution of his purposes through Christ, respecting the duties of man, opposite Things opposite or opposite of truth would be superstitions of the Gentiles and inventions of the Jews and the corrupt opinions and precepts of false teachers. So we see that truth, that lies, which a lot of times can come through fears, can get people into a place where, you know, if they feel a pain in their body, they think they've got cancer and they're going to die. Or the doctor said this, you had, you had to fight that battle yourself. Well, you had to find the truth. What was the truth? Well, the truth pertaining to God is that by the stripes of Jesus, you were already healed. But you had to decide, am I going to accept that as the truth? Or am I going to accept 
the x-rays or the doctor's opinion or whatever, there, whatever is out there. And so we have to navigate ourselves through, our, through the world. And if we allow certain things, you know, there's a whole group of Christians who love the Lord, but they've been told that gifts have passed away, that that has passed away. And that lie is keeping them from the truth, and it's hindering them from being able to let their light shine. But every so often, I was listening to a minister. He was a Baptist, and I was listening, and he was preaching a message, and he was talking about this church was praying for God to provide some money. They needed some money to, for a building project. And so he, this pastor got all the people together. They were praying in this room. And while they were praying in this room, this cowboy came into their church with a bag of money. And he said, God told me to bring this to this church because you needed the money. Now, we understand how God works. We understand how he answers prayer. We understand the prayer faith. But they stumbled into that, didn't they? That's not, a, that's not a regular practice of theirs. But because they were yielding, see, that light was already, that light was there. Even though they had a bushel, Somebody came along and just said, hey, maybe we take the bushel off for a little on this situation. So they took the bushel off, and then the light was able to shine. And what glory and testimony that brought to the whole church that God can do stuff. So God will do that he, because the light is already there. The light is in there, and, the, and, it's, and it'll shine as long as there isn't a bushel. But the light is there. Praise God. So the fruit of the Spirit comes out. <laughs> you saw that, didn't you? <laughs> yes. Praise God. So those, those lights are there. That light is there. It's just a lot of times we have to get the, the bushels out of the way. What's hindering this light from shining? Because it's already there. And if we think we've got to get the light, then we're, that's, we're automatically missing it because the light's already there. You know, you go out and pray for people. God shows up. He's, he's healing people left and right. But it wasn't something that God just all of a sudden decided to do. It's just something that he opened you up to see. He showed you this is what he wants to do. This is how he wants to work. And it was, but it was already there. But a lot of times when we begin to just see that and begin to step out in that and begin to act in faith in that, then God begins, that light begins to shine more and more. You know, sometimes when you, now the more you pray for people, the more confident you're getting. So less, you know, there's a little bit more of a bushel on me in that area than there's, you know, because I haven't, yeah, there, thank you, thank you. Because sometimes I'll pray for people and they'll still limp away. (laughs) 
But it's the confidence of knowing that the light is there. Because God, who commanded the light to shine out of the darkness, has commanded and spoken to our hearts. And he has released that light in us. That light is the knowledge of the knowing of the experiencing of who Christ is. And that light is on the inside of us. And, it, and here's the thing. It's in an earthen vessel. So when we look at our vessel, we look at ourselves, and we look at our struggles, we can hinder the light or the excellency of the power because we're looking at us. But we always have to stay focused on him in us. That's what walking in the light is. And the thing that, <clears throat> the thing that, um, what the Lord was just stirring in me about this is again, he says, you are the, Matthew 5, 14, he says, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. So let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Let's just take a minute to pray. And as we pray, I just want you to think about the people that are part of your life. Family, friends, co-workers. Just think about them for a minute. Because what we want to do is we want to see the importance of influence. We are called to be influencers. To go into a situation and, and shed that light. That's what he said here. So let's just pray for a minute. Heavenly Father, we just come to you right now. We thank you, Lord, that you have taken each one of us and you have put each one of us in certain areas of life where we have contact with people. We rub shoulders with people in different areas. We have, we have our family that we know and we communicate with. We have our, our neighbors, our friends, people that we're acquainted with. We have good friends. We have acquaintances, people that we see consistently. And then there's people, Lord, that you just randomly bring us to, that as we go about our business, living our lives. And Lord, each one of us has that light on the inside of us. Each one of us is housing. It's a, it's a, a house of light that is full of your light, full of your life, Lord. And we're going to these people full of this light from you, Lord. We were once darkness, but now we are light in the Lord. We are light. There's light inside of us, and that light is the life of God. 
That life is the power of God. That life is the goodness of God. That life is the that light is the truth of God. And we carry that with us wherever we go. So Lord, I pray right now that you would help us to get rid of any bushels, any barriers, any hindrances. It's as natural as when we go into a room and it's dark, we turn on the light. We don't think twice about, well, should I turn the light on now or not, or should I wait, or what should I do with this light bulb? But no, it's an automatic thing. We go into a room, if it's dark, we turn on the light. And so, Lord, I pray that you would just help us as we go into dark places, Lord, as we go into those family members' lives or coworkers or friends or, or acquaintances or wherever, Lord, that we are light. And they are living in darkness, and we need to shine light. We need to have a light influence upon them, an influence of the light of God upon them. And so, Lord, we yield ourselves to you. We yield ourselves to you in this area, Lord, to be an influence. That light has an influence. And so, Lord, I pray that you will use us more and more, especially in this day, especially in this hour, where there's so much darkness. Lord, to shine, to be a light. Father, we thank you for that right now. In Jesus' name, amen. See, Lucifer, what does his name mean? Light bearer. When God created him, he was to reflect God's light. But he said, oh, look how, look how brilliant I am. Look how great I am. And what he did is he corrupted it by focusing on himself. And in that corruption, he became perverted, twisted, warped. You know, it's interesting when God made manna. Here he took this manna, right? Made it in heaven. Baked it right in the ovens of heaven. Brought it down to the earth. You would think this, is, this stuff would never corrupt. But he gave them instructions. Every day you have a certain container, you get a certain amount. That's it. And then on Saturday, you double that. Because you're, it's not coming on Sunday. And if you take any more than you're supposed to, it's going to rot. Interesting, hey, that they could handle something and it could corrupt, something that was made right out of, the, right out of heaven. Just a thought. <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with that, but it's just interesting how, how when we handle certain things, how that works. But we're, we're to be light bearers, right? We're to be the light bearers. Amen? So I just want to encourage you to do that. And, and the thing is, too, is that people really watch. They listen to what we say, but they really watch what we do. And that will speak more volumes to them. 
Because, you know, when you hit your hand with the hammer, all the other guys on the job site are throwing out some four-letter words. But if you go, praise the Lord, <laughs> then they're going to know, hey, this guy, there's something different about this guy. So our, our character has a lot to do with that light shining. And you know what's interesting is that that light shining brings more conviction upon people than telling them, don't do this, that's bad, you shouldn't do this. I'm not saying we don't do that at all. There's a time for that. But the conviction, a lot of times when you look at the Bible and Jesus would say, um, if I had not come, for example, if I had not come and did the works that I did, the Pharisees would not have a cloak for their sin. But because I came and I demonstrated what it's like to really live for God, to walk with God, to obey God, to honor God, because I've demonstrated that, that light now has, shined, has shone upon their darkness and they have no cloak to cover their sin. So your example, your testimony, your lifestyle, God uses that. And he judges the world with that. In other words, he convicts them. He shows them that they don't have to be that way. So I just encourage you to continue to shine that light. Praise God. Amen. We thank God for that word on tonight. Amen. I was just thinking... Uh, when Pastor Nick was talking, and I was just thinking about, we're so glad that we are not in darkness anymore, amen. We are walking in the light, amen. So um, I was just thinking, with these different narratives that's been spinning out here, you know, in the world now, you hear so many different things on the news, and people, this new thing they say now, being culture woke, being woke to the thing of this culture, where it's not that we're asleep. We woke in the things of God, amen? But even though we are not walking in darkness anymore, there are so many out there that are. There's so many, so what do we have to do? We have to be that light, and we can start doing that even when we sow seeds into the kingdom of God. We're sowing seeds because somebody needs to hear the good news. We sow seeds because we sow in seeds in missions. We sow in seeds in the ministry so we can get that word out. Amen. So somebody, we don't want to be the only ones that's walking in the light. We want everybody to be walking in the light. Amen. So we can do that by sowing seeds and being a blessing and getting that word out to our family members and to our friends, to our co-workers, you know, to everybody that's out here that need to hear the gospel, amen? So just purpose in your heart on tonight what God wants you to bless this ministry with. And as you know, there's many ways of sowing into the kingdom of God. And as I pray, just seek God as to what you will have him to give, amen? Heavenly Father, we just thank you tonight. We thank you for 
such a good word on tonight. We thank you that, you know, as we sow into your kingdom, we know that we sow because not only do we want to be a blessing to others, but we sow because we know that it's a way that we're showing you that we believe in you, we have faith in you, we trust in you. And even though our circumstances might be of such sometimes that we don't feel like we have it to give, we give because we know you're faithful. We give because we believe in your word that when you say that you will open up the windows of heaven and blow out a, pour out a blessing upon us, that's why we give, because we serve a faithful and a true living God, and that we know that you will supply all our needs according to your riches and glory. That's why we sow too into the kingdom of God, to show you that we trust in you. So, Heavenly Father, we just thank you, and we just honor you with our seed on tonight, and we give you all the glory and all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.